You're listening to Compassion Radio. And welcome back to the microphone. We started the series on yesterday's program we're calling A New Thing. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about the scripture that kind of inspired us to get thinking again about what might be coming up for us as a ministry and hopefully encourage people along the way that, you know, God's still in the business of doing new things. So welcome back to the mic. Thanks. It's good to be here. We covered a lot of the principles that we've been learning by spending time with the church around the world. And we call it the kingdom of God because that's what Jesus called it. It is a hierarchy in the sense that God himself is the head. But it's not a bureaucratic hierarchy. He puts us on the level of cooperative, creative designer developers with him. We are his children. We are his first generation children. Now we form churches and organizations that make it easier to get things done in this world. We have executives or pastors or bishops and that kind of stuff that help organize a church. But we know from Scripture directly that Jesus himself calls us to be his brothers and sisters right there with God in the throne room. And that gives me great courage to sit here and say, we can do this, friends, and we don't have to ask permission from people higher up the ecclesiastical tower here to get permission to follow Jesus. Well, Peter says we have a priesthood. Yeah. We are the priesthood of believers around the world. It's very good for us to learn how to play nice with those who God has put in different positions and places around the world and not assume that because somebody has an office or a position higher up in the church that they are somehow farther away from God simply because they're not experiencing Jesus like we do or we think they don't. But it does mean that we have to be reminded from time to time that we don't all have a handle on everything God's up to. Right. And we got to trust that our family can help us understand these things better. Not just here in the States, but in places all around the world in this generation. We're not just tied to Christians who are alive today. We are tied to the Christians who are more alive than ever because they're with Jesus now. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way back to the beginning. In fact, it goes back before Jesus even walked the earth. I do believe that God called the faithful since the beginning of creation to be with him. He hasn't forgotten all people in the Old Testament. He hasn't given something special to us that no one will ever have again. We are part of a continuum of God's work of doing new things and doing new things in and through us. Well, it's interesting. The scriptures that we were looking at for this series are talking about doing a new thing. Mm -hmm. We see one in Isaiah. Isaiah wrote this hundreds of years before Jesus was walking on the earth. And in Lamentations, we see that his mercies are new every morning. Something is new happening every day with Jesus. And then we see in Romans how we're buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. It's a new thing. And then in Revelation, I'm doing a new thing. I'm making all things new. So God is about the business of renewing and making things new on a daily basis. If we look at our life that way, that God's wanting to do a new thing every day in our Mm -hmm. life, it gives me a sense of anticipation and excitement. What is God going to do new in my life today? And you talked about learning these new disciplines in this faith tradition that we begin to be part of. And it's exciting to me. After all of these years of learning about God and studying the scriptures and learning about Jesus and who I am in Christ, Mm -hmm. I am learning a new thing, a new way of communicating with God, a new way of seeing God in my daily life. And as we mentioned in our last program, so much what we've learned along the way about who God is or how he actually interacts with others, and therefore how he might be able to interact with me, has come through the experience of sitting across the table or on the floor with other believers in other countries whose culture is far from me, I think. 
but that you see there's a spark of recognition in all the people in the room when they're in the kingdom. Yes. You just sense that the heart is there, and you literally start to hear with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And there have been times when you and I have sat there, we know exactly what's being talked about in the room. We have no idea how, because we don't know the language. But you just start resonating with the things that God himself, his Spirit, is nodding with what the person is saying or singing or preaching or reading. And suddenly your heart is echoing that same kind of attitude, and it's beginning to hear from the heart, what God's doing in that circle right then. Mm -hmm. And that connects me to what I think is eternity. Absolutely. Um, It's eternally fresh and new. Now, there's one other scripture we didn't read before that talks about doing a new thing. It's Jesus on his way to the cross. There's one little snippet of scripture where he looks at his mother in the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and is in the scriptures. It says, look, mama, I'm making all things new. Jesus himself says, I make things new. And that's an historical statement, even beyond the metaphors of the prophets speaking of the new thing God's doing and speaking for God. Jesus, as God himself, says, can you see it? Watch me. I'm making things new. It's encouraging to know that God doesn't run out of ideas. Yeah, no, he doesn't. And there's always new things that God is eager to bring about in our own lives, in our own personal life, but also in the world around us. To be able to use us, to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus, as I said before, is a privilege. Mm-hmm. It is, is a thing that we should never take lightly no. or for granted. And if you think you know everything about something, you get pretty bored with it. And if God knows everything that can be known, you would think that, like us, you might get tired of things. But there's something about who God is that is always thrilled with the new with us and that he experiences that new with us together. That just baffles my mind every time I think about that. I think about a parent having numbers of children. Now we've had four. And as we would say to friends of ours who are going through different stages of life, hey, this is not our first rodeo either. We've been through this with our kids. This is what happened with us. And you'll share notes. But when you see your first child begin to take the first steps, or in our case, our child was running, she was ready to go. We knew what to expect the second and third and fourth child around, the basics of what it means to go from crawling to standing to pulling up on things to walking to running. But every experience was new. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like it was just a repeat of the same child on everything, like we're playing the same movie over. Although history does rhyme, we see things that we saw in our later kids, and it's a beautiful thing to say, this is kind of our family personality. But every kid had something new to discover and explore and to share with us mm-hmm. or to challenge us with. And it was beautiful every single time. I do believe that God lives like that with us, that he chooses to be that interested and that involved and that overwhelmed with joy himself when he sees his children grow up moment by moment, day by day, grow up physically, grow up emotionally, and of course, spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, knowing that God has ordered our steps, knowing that God has set a path before us that we can choose or not choose to follow, makes it comforting to me. Mm. It is a comforting thought to me that God has ordered the steps of my life and he knows the path I should take. And if I'm willing to sit and listen, to wait and watch and to ask him what he wants me to know Mm -hmm. and where he wants me to go, He's going to show me these new things that he is about the business of doing. Mm. He's going to present them in my life in ways that I can join and be excited about the work of the kingdom. Through the years of Compassion Radio, we have seen the work of the kingdom done in beautiful yet different ways Mm. through each generational shift. We saw in the 40s when Wilbur Nelson started this ministry as Morning Chapel Hour, how he was so about the business of sharing the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. His passion was making known the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that was his focus. That was his love from the very beginning. And he wanted the world to know how to be devoted Mm. to Jesus Christ. He wanted to be accurate with his teaching because he was a pastor of a church. Mm -hmm. He also was committed to the idea of knowing God expressed through the arts. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the first radio programs that really devoted itself to a a full-time music program. Mm -hmm. This program itself was a mixture of these kind of talks with people, but more about small sermons of teaching and encouragement devotional style, and then music that complemented and amplified the concepts and were worshipful that people would actually be able to sing along with, and they would send albums to people who wanted them. And so it was part of the worship life of the church across the country from like the 40s all the way through the 80s and 90s that the Morning Chapel Hour was producing quality materials. And other programs pick up a lot of that kind of ethic as well and produce a lot of great music. And most of the church music from the 20th century was born out of these kind of multimedia ministries committed to bringing excellence into the worship life of the church. So it wasn't just an organ or a piano anymore. Mm-hmm. It could be many things. Yeah. And it would expand the musical expression to bring it to new heights. And that was a new thing. At the it time. was. It was a very new thing. And it seemed maybe very quaint now to look back on the style, the orchestrations, and the choir sounds. But they were avant-garde at the time. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that every generation has to necessarily strive to be avant-garde and just push the envelope all the time. Yeah. It does mean, though, that there are going to be things that will inspire or will zap certain parts of your brain mm-hmm. in one generation that don't in another. Mm-hmm. God knows this. And he knows who his creatives are. And he's calling us to be creative joyfully exploring what can be done this generation to bring the truth forward in a way that other people can say, wait a minute, that's different. I want to know more about that because a heart rings with it. Let's talk about the ways that God has been resonating with his people over the course of this ministry. Mm -hmm. You mentioned 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Wilbur was teaching and preaching and encouraging and music was being produced. And it was a devotional program. And Norm came up in that household. Mm -hmm. He struck out, did things in ministry in Central America, in Europe and in the East Coast, inner city work. And he started discovering a different kind of Christian Mm -hmm. than he thought was out there that were active with people who never would have listened to his dad's program. Yeah. Well, in the early 90s, Norm began to connect with the global church, like yeah. you said. He began to see what God was doing around the world. And even though Morning Chapel Hour itself had been involved in orphanages mm-hmm. around the world in Southeast Asia. They helped in uh, Hong Kong and helped in Korea after the Korean War. Mm-hmm. There was not a whole global unity within the program. Right. So they highlighted things, but there was not a deep involvement as far as going out and getting the stories of what was happening around the world. And Norm began to be more curious about that, I think. And so he started traveling more and meeting with people in war-torn countries, Sudan, South Sudan, and Iraq, Afghanistan, in the early 90s. They changed the name to Life at Its Best. Mm and wanted to get the idea that our best life was lived by doing the work of the kingdom. Exactly. And that was his mindset in that. But then there was another shift. In the late 90s, Norm was invited to go on a trip with Brother Andrew to take some much-needed humanitarian support to Gaza. And he began to meet with people that lived there, meaning Palestinian Christians and even Muslims that lived in that area. He began to see how God was infusing himself into that community and doing the work of compassion. Mm-hmm. And being, we've told the story before about how the name Compassion Radio came about in Norm's meeting with some of these people that needed this humanitarian aid. 
specifically a headmaster of a school, a madrasa you might call it, but it was actually a training school for girls in Gaza that was being run by a family and a teacher who would normally have only taught boys, but he felt compelled to be teaching girls at that time. They had run out of water, they run out of food, everything had been cut off because the intifada happening and there was a big battles raging in Gaza between there and, and Israel. And they were without. And every time they kept coming back around to the neighborhood, they kept handing out more water and food and blankets and things. And they just kept coming back around. And this headmaster said, who are you again? I don't understand what you do. Is here in radio. What does that have to do with us? Why do you keep coming here? He kept asking those questions. And finally he said, I know what you are. You're a compassion radio because you talk about compassion and you're showing it. Mm -hmm. And so that name at that point stuck. And that's just one of the places where Norm said yes to going. But he also did something I think was really important early on. He found good guides. Mm -hmm. He found the people that God was already using in these places and decided to come alongside them and said to them, you show me what God's doing here. I don't want to presume anything. And he got to meet people because of that, that were trustworthy, mm -hmm. that were men of peace in places he went. And that became really essential when he was doing bridge riding on horses across Afghanistan during the Afghan war, trying to meet people who were in these villages, seeing where God's word was going forth. And he had to find a person of peace. He had to learn how to actually look with a spiritual eye to say, I will be safe here for the time I'm here. And this is the person that God has ordained for me to meet. Mm -hmm. And he lived that way. He and Cher did many trips with the Bible League and with other organizations that were involved with the underground churches in all kinds of countries and supplying them with the Word of God in their languages. He wanted to help be involved with doing the work, not just reporting on it. Mm -hmm. And that's how that all happened in the middle and late 90s. I love how you put it earlier that Norm wanted to let compassion be his guide. Mm -hmm. He looked for the places that God could use him, could pour out compassion yeah. from him. And I love that because I think that is how believers should live regardless of where they are. Letting compassion be your guide when it comes to loving God and loving our neighbor. That's the kind of face that we need to put forward wherever we are. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. We have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine. And I beg of you, send your best gift today to support the Christian family there. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. Letting compassion be your guide when it comes to loving God and loving our neighbor. That's the kind of face that we need to put forward wherever we are. 
And it's important, too, to say that when we talk about compassion, compassion is a thing that's outward focused. You can't have compassion for yourself other than to say, I won't do things that are harmful to me. But you don't really notice it as an outward expression because it's all about you. It's easy to be sympathetic or have a feeling about something. Move to tears because you saw something that was sad. It's another thing to say, I need to do something about that. That's where empathy starts building. You start thinking specifically, how do I get involved to do something? How do I make a difference? And then compassion says, this is the plan. Mm -hmm. As much as our feelings get moved by things we see on TV and we feel, oh, it's so bad. I can't believe that war is still going on in that country. But to move on to say, God, what do you want me to know about this? So I can start praying for these things and start asking you to show me people or ways I might be able to help. If your desire is to be involved with what God is already up to, it's amazing how the Spirit leads you to it. Because mm-hmm. he's not saying no to his children, like, I've got this. He's saying, come with me. Yeah. You know, be involved with this. Yeah. I love that we were invited to be part of this ministry in the early 2000s and how God began to build in us that ethic mm-hmm. of compassion. And he began to really stretch our empathy muscles. Yes, he did. And to show us what it looked like to really live a life of compassion and and empathy. And I'm still learning. God's still doing that new thing in my heart, learning how to sit compassionately with someone in Mm. their situation, in their life, in their circumstance, and be present. Mm. That's the thing I want to go on for the rest of my life. You know, I want to be that person that I can go to a place and sit with them in compassion, extend the hand of God and help them if they need help or just companion them through their situation. And to celebrate them as they're following God and reinforce that. When you're able to encourage somebody to say, you're doing it right. I can see in your eyes, in your hands, in your heart that God's hand is on you. Mm His lips are speaking through your lips. I mean, we see this, mm-hmm. and we're able to affirm that. Somehow people who are very nervous or self-conscious become a whole lot less self-conscious when they've been encouraged by somebody that God has sent them. Mm-hmm. And so many times, whether we feel like we deserve it or not, we are sent to places where suddenly we are those people that provide that affirmation because we went, mm-hmm. because nobody else was there. I can think of one example, honey, where in one day, God walked me through sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Mm-hmm. And that was our first day in Ukraine back in 2017. We were invited at the last second to go spend some days with our friends at the Evangelical Theological Seminary outside of Kiev, a place that was later blown up during the war, and that we had provided thousands of books from Norm's library, theologically, to supply their library. And we were very worried about the books at that time. But at the beginning of that relationship, the first day we got there, we flew in on Wizair. They promised they'd feed us. And we gave them like five days. We flew there, we get there, and it's a, you know, it's a seminary. It's a dormitories and classrooms. And they gave us a room to sleep in. And it was one of the students had just bugged out because he was called to do some ministry somewhere across the country. And the room happened to be open for a couple of days. And they said, please take this room. And my first impression when I walked the room is, they haven't even cleaned this place up. Where is this guy? He just left. The room was really unkept. The bed was unmade. And I thought, well, that's not great hospitality. I'm getting grumpy at that point. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about the opportunity. I was thinking about me being tired. I want to get a nap. I looked around that room and I just said, God, why are we even here if we're going to be sleeping in somebody else's dorm room for the next three days? And God just got pressing on me saying, I've got you here for a reason. Shut up. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what I felt him saying to me. And I had to start looking around saying, what is it about this place that's special? And I was reminded by the Spirit in that moment 
There are not many places I have in this country where people are being trained to go out. Mm -hmm. And there were a handful of good seminaries in the entire country of 40 or 50 million people. And we were in one of them that had a very international focus that were tied in with countries all across the Silk Road in Asia. And here I am sitting in this guy's room who was studying to do the very thing that I say is important to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm complaining about his bedroom. I had to get over that real fast and realize that this was an opportunity to serve. And so we, you and I went and washed the sheets because we needed to for ourselves and clean the room up a bit. And we realized this is no inconvenience. Of course we could do this. Mm -hmm. We're guests in his house. By the time we left, of course, we had washed the sheets again and made the beds and cleaned up the apartment. We were proud to do that. And we were grateful for having been there. Mm -hmm. But I went through those attitude shifts real fast. And then we got to walk out of that room and have dinner. And suddenly we were across the table from brilliant, beaming students mm -hmm. who were excited what God was doing, excited to tell their stories to us. And they would drag us across town and show us where the McDonald's was down, down by the big square in the center of Ukraine where all of the big action happened during the, the uprising that brought them democracy. And suddenly we were in the story. And we were not just in, we were honored guests. And I got humbled real fast. Mm. It is a beautiful and kind thing that God does in our lives to show us the air of our ways yeah. and remind us that, yeah, he's got it. Yeah. He knows what he's doing and there is purpose in our calling. Yes. I think that was a big shift for both of us, you know, going through what we went through there and seeing the life of the people and getting to love people mm -hmm. that we would not have been able to love or meet had we not taken that little side trip. And being grateful and thankful to those who made it possible. The call came to us from a friend that we knew fairly well, but we really know them now mm -hmm. because their invitation to come be with them in Ukraine and see the work. Yeah. And we're forever changed because of that. Mm -hmm. And we're involved with ministries and people specifically. Even during the war, I'm getting messages through private channels daily from people who are in the middle of all this ministering to and loving on and saving lives literally mm -hmm. in this war because of the ministry they were trained in at that seminary. Yeah. I'm just grateful that God gives us those kind of opportunities. But I also it sometimes have to admit that I have to learn hard lessons or be reminded because I can get pretty selfish too. Well, we get a little sassy and comfortable, yeah. you know, so we, when we don't really look at what's happening around the world. We called that an unexpected transition in our own lives yeah. and how God began to shift in our hearts. And that was also about the time when you began to lead this ministry. Mm. When after Norm passed away, the chair was left empty and you were called up to take that position. And it was a scary time for us, a scary transition, because we didn't really know what it was going to look like or how long it was going to last or what God was going to do. But we began to see and began to trust and believe that God had a new thing for Compassion Radio through what he wanted us to do and wanted us to know. It is amazing to me to think that since we haven't really celebrated anniversaries much, we've talked about the anniversaries of the ministry, but to think that we've been at this almost six years now yeah. in the responsibility that you and I have, mm -hmm. that's not a short amount of time, but there's been so many other changes that happened in our lives. It's like boom, 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 boom. Things are happening like crazy around us too. So we don't even think about how far God has brought us. And you mentioned in yesterday's program that sometimes you just need to be quiet, sit still and listen and say, God, what are you up to? And he says, watch what I'm doing. It's new. Can you see it? Can you perceive it? Can you feel it? Mm -hmm. Watch me. And we have to take the time to do that. One of the most important things we can do at any time is sit down, be quiet, and let God go first. Yeah. yeah. And wake up to the things he's about so we can be ready for what he's really doing and take our place in it because we're offered that. God's not forcing us. He's not dragging us into an army here. 
He's inviting us to step up to the front and see what's going on and be part of the victory, be part of the suffering, be part of the compassion, be part of the craziness, be part of the peace. Whatever the kingdom's going through, we're being invited to be part of it by asking God to let us be and to be his representatives and to serve him faithfully. I'm so thankful for our Compassion Radio partners out there, the listeners that are hearing this program, because they're the ones that believe what we tell them. Mm-hmm. They actually hear our stories and say, I can't believe God's up to that, but yeah, I can. He's that kind of God. I'm so glad I'm hearing these stories. Mm-hmm. And they send us letters, or they get involved with the project, or they help support the ministry. And I am grateful, grateful, grateful for them. And they are probably seeing God do a new thing in their lives now, as much as we are seeing in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about those changes again on tomorrow's program. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw, to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or give online at CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.